Welcome to the All Digital AM podcast. This episode originally aired as a video on the All Digital AM YouTube channel. Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. My name is Adam Penn. I'm here to continue the conversation in 3D printing and additive manufacturing. And I am here with Stephanie Benight. Stephanie is a material science scientist to the core. I mean, uh, basically has her PhD in chemistry and uh, in dual nanotechnology. So happy to have you here uh, with a career scientist to talk a little bit more about what's been going on in your life, especially in polymers in the world of polymer materials. So welcome, Stephanie. Good to have you here. Thanks, Adam. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. So I know, you know, we, we talked about a month or so ago and, and, uh, and that beginning conversation, it was, it was prior to the tactile report, right? And that's something that you just released, uh, specializing looking at polymers and a deep dive. And, uh, so talk a little bit about that because that's exciting. That just happened. So, so talk about that report and, and how that became established and what it is today. Yeah, absolutely. So the tactile report is really the first of its kind in that it's focused on photopolymers in 3D printing and additive manufacturing. So there, while there are some other more general market reports out there, there really wasn't one until this one on the area of photopolymers. And to me, I'm really excited about photopolymers in 3D printing because I think the technology offers a lot of advantages and the materials have really come a long way in sort of their strength, their performance, really mimicking the performance of those of ejection molded materials. And so we released it at the end of last year, last month in December 2020, and it's the inaugural edition um, and so it's available now at uh, www.tactilereport.com. Definitely put the link to that in our uh, topic here today. It's that's awesome. And yeah, I've, I've definitely seen that uh, being spread around and people showing bit, snippets of it and getting in some de- detailed information. So it's good to see that out there. And that's important. Materials are everything inside of 3D printing and additive manufacturing and finding what materials can actually like elevate what's happening in a part, make it better, stronger, you know, new things that are happening, new things that can be printed that couldn't be printed in the past. So it, it's cool to know that. So how about that? What are some of the things you're seeing right now is some of the new materials that are actually um, coming into the market or something we should look out for? Yeah, I mean, I'll just start with saying it's a really exciting time in 3D printing right now. Um, I think folks were nervous at the beginning of 2020 when everything happened with the pandemic. But it was really exciting to see the 3D printing community come together and uh, basically, as needed, immediately start manufacturing um, supplies for COVID-19. And this included uh, nasal pharyngeal swabs for testing, uh, PPE, uh, ventilator valves, equipment that was needed, and you name it. And there was uh, different groups of companies that came together to do that. Now, the materials are an important part of that because these are parts that are going to be uh, making contact with human skin yes. um, in the in the case of the test swab and also um, being used and need to be used reliably in the equipment that is keeping these people alive on ventilators. And so the fact that now, and that's a, a really fantastic use case for 3D printing and, and really 3D printing for real world applications has arrived and it's arrived for p- photopolymers as well not just um, fused deposition modeling or FFF processing of, of materials, which is some of the more commonly known and understood 3D printing uh, technologies. So the materials specifically, there's a lot going on. Um, all the, a lot of the major chemical companies are involved. They have a very big presence in 3D printing. 
They have uh, teams that are growing. There's a lot of partnerships with different printer companies, with different service bureaus, some acquisitions, um, some uh, mergers happening as well. So we're seeing some consolidation and making these entities even stronger and having more um, uh, things to offer different customers. And one of the things in the materials specifically is in hybrid materials. And so traditionally in photopolymer space, there was largely the materials were based on acrylate type chemistry. Mm. And these types of this type of chemistry, you know, is prone to take on water, which isn't good for changing your part dimensions in real world parts and products. And they're also brittle. So they're really only used for prototyping. But with a lot of the advances recently, there's been hybrid type chemistries, including, you know, dual cure chemistry that folks like carbon use to really increase the integrity, the physical thermal performance of the material when it's in its final printed form for products. Yeah, it's a production ready material, basically, uh, that, that you're getting to there. And that's the big deal right now is those materials are ready, you know, and uh, now having the applications out there and, and actually releasing them to the world, uh, it's going to be a, a very new way of looking at things. I love the progression in 3D printing. It's always improving our lives in different ways. And that's a hopeful thing to to focus on. You know, there's there's so many things happening in the world nowadays as we're all going through our difficult times in one way or another. But the uh, the whole 3D printing world has been very exciting. And to see what's happening with materials, that's really where it comes from in the material development side. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's wonderful to have you here today. So you also found your own consulting firm in 2019. Is that correct? That's right. That's right. Uh, after working at Origin, um, I sort of organically had people coming to me asking me for help in, in different areas. And and sort of uh, this consulting firm called uh, Tactile Material Solutions was was born. So I'm currently um, president and principal scientist at Tactile Material Solutions, and we are a consulting firm focused on polymers and advanced materials. That's awesome, and that's also where people could find the Tactile Report, correct? Absolutely. There's a link on our webpage there, which is uh, tactilems.com. And then you can find out more information about the report and purchase directly from tactilereport.com. Yeah, awesome. That's, that's, that's great. I'll definitely put a link to that in the description. Now, real quick, you did mention Origin there, and I know Origin was just purchased by Stratasys. So, it, you know, what do you think about that possibility for that company? Yeah, I think it's going to be exciting to see what happens. Um, you know, I, in reading the details of, of that uh, transaction, there's a lot of things that are milestone based in there. And so it'll be interesting to see what, what comes about. But I, I really only think we're going to be seeing more of that type of consolidation in the industry as the 3D printing and additive manufacturing industry uh, matures. So, I totally uh, agree. Yeah, it's going to be yeah. an interesting time. I know there's a lot going on, even coming up at uh, the end of January, we're coming up on that type women in 3D uh, the conference there. That's going to be January 27th to 28th. And you're a part of that. Is that correct? I am. And I'm, yeah. I'm super excited to be. It's uh, for those of you who don't know, it's a, it's an all female speaker event focused on additive manufacturing and 3D printing. And it's the first one. Uh, it was originally supposed to be in person, but because of the situation currently, It'll be virtual and I'll be presenting on a a panel discussing materials 
for 3D printing at that conference. So I'm really excited about that. Yeah, awesome. I'll definitely be putting links to that also in this uh, conversation. Great. It's been fun being a media partner of that event, and I look forward to being there. I'll have a my own table for anybody that wants to stop by and say hi at the event. It's going to be wonderful. So, uh, Absolutely. I'll make sure you do that. Yeah, yeah, definitely stop on by. I'll, I'll say hello wherever you are also. It's it's a good time. That that whole uh, platform, that Remo platform is fun. It's, it's, it's growing and changing, and there's good ways to interact. Every time I get in there, there's something new. So looking forward to seeing that again at the end of this month. For just a note on that, I mean, yeah. I've, I've attended a couple different events throughout this time on the Remo platform. And I, I've always been impressed by the, the virtual networking aspect of it. So you can actually go on these virtual tables that are set by topic and you can just double click on a seat. Good point. And yeah. then and then the video and the audio of each participant at the table pops up. And I've I've been able to do the type of networking that I normally do in person at conferences with this. And so it's just been such a nice surrogate for normal in-person conferences during this time. And I have no doubt that the conference, uh, the type conference in a few weeks will be will have that capability and be just as just as awesome. Yeah, definitely will. There's going to be fun. I mean, that's that's the whole point, right? Being able to network uh, these virtual conferences has taken the place of a lot of uh, in-face events. Uh, but now we're actually doing things virtually and learning from it. Uh, you know, there's things that everybody wishes we could do more of, but at least we have the platform to try to grow and to find new ways. I can't wait till they're kind of more incorporated with live and in-person and also virtual when you need it because we're we're learning as we go with the virtual events. Uh, but uh, definitely so going to be a good one. So that'll be fun to be there. But I know, you know, in the whole, you're talking about photopolymers and everything that happens inside of the industry. Um now, when can, can you talk a little bit about the technologies? Like you were talking about VAT polymerization, right? That uses that particular materials that, that are in the recent tactile report. And uh, are there other materials or other technologies that you look at, or is it mostly around the photopolymers? No, absolutely. It's a great question. And so in the report, we actually highlight the materials that are usable in a variety of different photopolymer-enabled additive technologies. So that includes the VAT polymerization that you mentioned, or commonly known as uh, digital light processing or, or DLP, sometimes digital light projection, because there's an actual projector that's used to, to cure layer the material layer, in, yeah. a, in a layer. Um, but there's also more traditional stereolithography uh, or SLA type printing, which is done with a, with a laser instead. Um, but there's some of the newer methods are, are using LCD type technology yes, yeah. um, to print. And then also there's some LED light sources as well that are, are doing that. So all of those different types of technologies, as well as the companies that have taken a technology like that and sort of made it their own special sauce with some different um, ads of features, um, some, some slight tweaks to that technology to kind of make it a, a new process. Um, those are also highlighted as well. So in, in the tactile report where this information is, is we we highlight the different companies that, you know, we, we've identified to be production ready. Um, so we haven't focused really on just consumer or maker type printers, right. um, but really production ready printers. And then inf- we include information about these different printer companies and then the material companies as well that are working with these different technologies. Yeah, that's that's a good. I'm glad you went over all that. That's all important information. That report again is that uh, can that be found on your web page? Is that that correct? Is it? Uh, yeah, there's a page? there's a link on there's a link on my company page, and then the the place to get the report is just tactilereport.com. 
Oh, wow. Perfect. That's easy enough. Yeah. yeah. Well, go ahead and put that in the description also. That's awesome. Yeah. And that, so, so I know we were talking about, uh, you know, the type conference coming up and it, that's, uh, there's a lot going on. The, the next gen, the youth program was, it was added as, as a last, uh, uh, track there. And, uh, there's a lot happening. I know, um, with everyone's career path and, and there's a lot of also people that look up to people who've been in the industry and have been doing things like yourself. So talk a little bit about your journey. I mean, you've been, you know, in material science, uh, you know, your whole career here. And so, you know, what was Stephanie doing before that? And what, what, what brought you into that uh, passion there? Yeah, no, absolutely. I'd love to love to talk about that. So I, um, I actually always knew that I wanted to be a, a scientist or, or an engineer. I, I always gravitated toward sciences growing up and was very curious as a kid. And my dad was actually a professor okay. and a scientist as well. And so English and history were, were not my jam, but science and others were. And um, so I decided to be a chemistry major in college at Stanford. And then I wanted to go to graduate school. I was considering medical school, but decided to go to graduate school in chemistry instead. And uh, the materials track uh, just seemed really interesting to me because it pertained to real world products and, and issues and, and problems that needed to be solved. Um, there were other tracks um, in chemistry, like inorganic chemistry, where you look at these different ligands and metal catalysts for identifying new reactions. There's organic chemistry where you're looking at purely carbon based things and, and really trying to invent new chemical reactions that can be used to make drugs and, and other materials. But the idea of working on something that was really applied um, was was interesting and important to me. And so I, I gravitated toward that and chose a, a materials track in our chemistry department at the University of Washington in Seattle. Nice. And um, after that, I was sort of debating, you know, do I want to be a professor in chemistry? Do I want to go into industry? And at the time, there really was only kind of those two tracks. You know, there wasn't there wasn't information about 3D printing, really. There wasn't information about, um, you know, other possibilities. It was just you're either going to be a professor or you're going to kind of do this other more nebulous <laughs> industry bucket of things. Yeah. Um, and so I, I was thinking about being a professor and um, decided to, to do a postdoctoral fellowship uh, as a researcher at um, Stanford with uh, Professor Jenin Bao who uh, is, was working on developing stretchable electronic skin. Wow. Um, yeah. So for things like prosthesis and, and, and my project there was to basically develop new semiconducting polymers that were inherently stretchable. So at the time, there was a lot of engineering work that was done to actually make the device itself stretchable by putting these devices that were rigid on elastic scaffolds. Um, but I was working on developing the the new materials, so to speak. And it was a hard project. I knew it was a hard project going in. Um, so I was a postdoc for two years. And uh, I kind of, at the time, um, wasn't sure that I really wanted to be a professor. And the main reason was, is that I just couldn't decide what I wanted to work on. Um, I just, I had too many interests. And the idea of picking two or three projects or, or horses that would win the race in 10 or 20 years um, was, was just not resonating with me. And 
Uh, I did a lot of thinking and I ultimately, I, I went up to the career fair one afternoon and I poked around and I kind of got educated about what the options were. And it's great that those are there, right? A lot of people take it for granted, <laughs> but I mean, that points you in a lot of people in the direction yeah. they go, right? Yeah. It's wild. The career fair is yeah. a good thing for yes, anyone it is. who's wondering. So yeah. I, uh, I just, I just headed up there on like a lunch break or an afternoon and uh, I talked, you know, like the CIA people I talked to the Boston consulting group people, the McKinsey people, Lockheed Martin, talked to everybody. And I actually um, met and, and talked to the folks from a uh, scientific and engineering consulting firm called Exponent, which has 50 offices or so, been around for 50 years, offices all around the world and country. The headquarters were in Menlo Park, which was just down the road. So I ended up interviewing there and long story short, ended up taking a position as an associate scientist in the polymer science and materials chemistry group there and spent four and a half years there uh, working on failures of plastics. And mm-hmm. this is plastic materials in medical devices, in construction, in consumer electronics, consumer products. Um, so did you say it was failures? Yes. Failures. Okay. failures. I want to make sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, okay. absolutely. So yeah. it was a really interesting position because as part of that, you um, you did you had a lot of client interaction because it was a consulting firm. There were clients that would hire us to understand why these certain things failed and these materials failed. So I was doing Very a lot important. of yeah. chemical analysis, sort of after the fact, a lot of mechanical analysis of properties to see, and um, it, it, it learned a ton. It was it was great, and I learned a ton about like working with clients and really understanding the problem, coming up with. A, a, a experimental plan to address the problem and right. figure out what happened and also um, doing that and being able to communicate those findings to a variety of different audiences from, you know, engineers to, to VPs, to technicians, to, to attorneys, um, to judges. Right. And um, yep, it was just, it, it was really that's fun. Awesome. Yeah, they all yeah. have a, a different narrative, all those those that you just listed off. So hence <laughs> right. the, the reason that something like this tactile report is so precious because there's all that valued information that speaks to everyone, right? It's not something that, uh, you know, even someone from a scientist or someone that's looking over something and wants to know a little more than the average person can go and dive into that report. That's really awesome. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I, I really, I wrote it um, with that intention. So it, you know, it's, it's an, it's intended to be kind of a, a navigation tool to the photopolymer industry and 3d printing. But, you know, we, as you know, Adam, we have a lot of like veterans in 3D printing, you know, guys and and women that have been around for a long time and they have a wealth of knowledge, but they also know a lot. And so I I really wrote the report to also have some nuggets of information in there. You know, maybe they don't know about the company down the road that's developing recyclable UV resins than trying Mm. to develop 3D printing resins. Yeah. Um, so there's really been saw, a little bro, bit of I saw a, uh, a new, <laughs> an article that just came out and then I was going to ask you about what you thought about recycled plastics, recycled polymers. And it's, it's obviously with, you know, sustainability and everything that goes on out there that additive and 3D printing has its benefits. Everyone is always looking at what they can do. And of course, when you get into powders, any kind of application has a certain, you know, mix that's either going to be a new powder and an old powder to, to come out correctly. And all those things are important. So when you're looking at recycling material, that's already part of it, but 
taking from recycled materials that you could put back into the machine. That's a whole nother world. Uh, so what are your thoughts on that and how far down the road have you gone on that? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's complicated it I is. Think. when it, yeah. when it comes to the materials themselves, you know, sustainability, I think is, is so important and it's, you know, to, to innovate and develop products with that in mind is, is key to have, you know, regulation to some extent around, you know, encouraging companies to develop things, taking sustainability into mind, I think is important. Um, When it comes to materials, you really hit the nail on the head. When it comes to materials specifically, I do think about recyclability. Hmm. Um, You know, there's, there's sustainability and processes, you know, if you're printing on site, you're not shipping, you know, increasing carbon footprint through all this logistics, um, moving things around the world. But with materials, it's really about recyclability, reusing potentially starting materials. Um, if there are products, you know, deg- um, breaking those down so into usable components for a next set of products. And so it's, it's really important. It's just, it's a difficult ask when it comes to changing that chemistry and using those same things to try to get the same high level of properties that you're looking for. If you, if you use sort of, I guess, for comparison's sake, non-sustainable or non-recyclable materials. Yeah. What what I see is that, you know, there's a very, there's a niche for it, right? There's things that you can do it with, but there's not a lot of things you can do it with. So that's really the challenge now is growing the amount of things that you could do that with, uh, obviously in our environment and the things that we use. Uh, So it's good, good to see that moving along. You know, I, I just, like I said, I just saw an article come up out about it that was talking about a new process to do that. So uh, it's it's really neat as as these things kind of roll out and we look at those benefits because like you said they start out right at the machine the way you actually do stuff you're you're working with material that's in a powder form instead of a solid form so you could save that way but you know there's there's so many other ways of looking at sustainability it's not just right there in that spot so uh, you got to it's think really about, multifaceted yeah. exactly yeah, yeah. and that's if you huge. think about it like the materials there's really only thirty or so com- you know polymers, plastics that mm. have been invented, you know, 60, 70 years ago and that are used in present day. There's of course thousands of grades of those resins, but as far as the core polymers, you know, like polypropylene, polyethylene, you know, things like, you know, polystyrene, things like that. I mean, there really there really are just those 30 or so polymers and and innovation in the polymer space, it ha- it's, um, there can be more. And I think with the target on this sustainability and new polymers, new materials, new hybrid materials, um, that's where the kind of the real innovation. And for me, I'm really excited about what can come about there. Yeah, I know there's a lot of great applications that are starting to pop out from it. Also, I've seen over there, uh, the last year, something that just came to mind, too, is the, the different cushioning that's gone out there. You know, they talk about like in helmets and protection and having like a, you know, a specific patient, specific person, specific helmet, those kind of things with the, the cushioning laid out the weight of all your pressure points. Uh, there's so many interesting things that you could do differently with the way you're producing the polymer and the way it actually forms and it resists and, you know, the pressure and all that good stuff that, yeah, these applications are 
progressing very quickly. You know, even the NFL is involved now and in, in looking at their helmets and looking at 3D printing technologies. So there's just so much that's going on that that wasn't quite there before. And I just remember, you know, as a kid playing any sports, you just throw on, you know, <laughs> your brother's old helmet or whatever it was. And, right. um, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, it doesn't have to be that any, that way anymore. And I could see how that's a lot more safety. I wish it was like that when I was younger too, you know, yeah, a now, cool now, bike helmets and all that, you know, it's absolutely. great. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, you never knew as a kid that there was teams of engineers looking at different materials that could keep that, keep you safer and using that product. And, um, so important and, and so exciting to see what, what can come about and ensuring that those materials actually meet the standards that are needed to, great to, point. yeah, to, to make sure we have, you know, products with, with good integrity that incorporate 3D printed materials. Yeah, and, and I know that is a big focus of the industry right now. Everyone is very hungry for the standardization of all the processes and in many different ways. Um, but it is, of course, locking down those applications, you know, because then when you can repeat the application, you can start to lock down the processes that go along with it and the standards that go along with that whole, the material, the whole nine yards. So um, where do you see that progressing right now? Because standardization is a big topic. And, uh, you know, you know where, where do you stand on that and how much have you looked into it? Yeah, a fair amount. Um, I, I do serve on the ASTM F42 committee for additive manufacturing, and awesome. I've, yeah. I've spent the last year or two kind of um, getting familiar with what standards are out there for additive additive uh, manufacturing. Um, part of what I did at at the consulting firm I worked at was looking um, was doing analysis to support um, different uh, issues or uh, um, litigation around products. And so when there was an alleged issue and figuring out what could have went wrong. So being such a 3D printing nerd and excited about it, um, wanting to see, you know, these materials succeed, I think standardization is really important. And currently, as far as to address your question, the, the state of the industry, there's, there's, you know, your ASTM and also ISO standards. Those folks are working together to, to develop and co-develop standards um, but a lot of the standards now are really probably around 80% of uh, metals materials. Mm. And the thing about standardization is that there, there really are user and industry led and propelled forward. So to your point, when there are specific applications where there needs a standard, you know, folks in an aerospace industry, for example, or other industries like medical that are highly regulated, will spend a lot of time making sure that there are standards around what they're, what materials they're using and testing um, to really certify because of, to meet the regulatory requirements to, to certify the, the uh, integrity of their, their materials and, and their products. Yeah, that's a, that's a big, good point there. Uh, the, the medical industry, aerospace is, is, is very developed uh, with, well, they're getting developed with what they're doing and medical is there too, but I see a lot more happening right now in, in medical as far as there are so many different ways of approaching even something like a, you know, you could, you can come up with a bone structure, you know, uh, inside of a, a metal printing system and uh, they call it the, the, I think it's osteointegration, right? How you could grow that can grow okay. back into the body. Well, my gosh, um, you could have so many different structures. So how do you come up with a standard for a structure and the process? That's a very, there's a lot that goes into that. And I see a lot of those qualifications in process. Um, but, you know, you, if when you slightly te- tweak it one way, there, you've got to do that whole process again. Uh, that's right. So it's, it comes down to having that repeat application, you know, and that's yeah. where you really start to set those. 
And when it comes to, you know, 3D printing for those applications, you know, you're talking about the material you're using and the consistency of that, you know, in, in photopolymer 3D printing, it's, it's, it's resin, right? Right. A liquid that you're starting with that's UV cured. And then you're talking about the process, the print parameters, what machine you're using, Mm -hmm. what radiation time and energy you're using. And then you're talking about post-processing. So how do you make sure the part goes from out of the printer to in the product and assembled itself and any sort of finishing that you have to do and all of those those steps go into the actual um, consistent process for the, the application. Yeah, and then when you go the one step further into distributed manufacturing, if you're taking that somewhere else, of course you have the machine qualifications, and yeah, each individual machine in each area has to be set up, you know, properly for that to happen on an on-demand kind and of calibrated, you know, regularly. And yeah, yeah. So that's the, I mean, that's the challenge, but uh, you know, it's it's been done before in many industries, and we're working on that, and I've seen that been locked into place for some applications. So that's a good thing, you know, and I think this will be a big big year of growth over the next couple of years, especially with uh, those kind of applications coming out of the, the woodwork and, uh, and happening. It's exciting. I, I really love to see that stuff. So I'm glad that uh, you're diving deep on that side of it. I love everything I hear about materials. Uh, there's, there's, there's just so many possibilities, you know, and, and I see on the polymer side, even in the medical side, the, the tooling, you know, what can happen, you could take away from the cost of, you know, having a, a robotic procedure that is done for precision to where you're building a custom tool for the patient so you can make a cut in a specific place that you couldn't do any other way so precise without that kind of tooling that's specialized so there's i mean my gosh that's beautiful you know there's just uh, you know i just actually had a podcast with a gentleman who is out there uh doing it's 3dp for me you know and it's jason solomire great guy you know but he's out there and he's out in the middle east in Jordan, setting up a pilot project to go, you know, actually scan, you know, underprivileged society, go to find their ears of children because they go through iterations and they need multiple, you know, they, they need to hear, they need multiple hearing devices. So all that is just beautiful. And it, it, it totally is an, you know, attributes to what can be done inside of 3D printing and additive manufacturing. But I hate to see it be, you know, caught up by those standards not getting in place and, and making sure everyone is safe, because that's what it boils down to, right? The safety of everyone and uh, making sure that that product is that way. So keep on moving with those uh, standards and procedures. That's awesome. You know, I, I yeah, love it. Plug, plugging away. There's plugging a, it's away. a big group of people that are working on it. So it's it's great to see. And it is. It is. Well, Stephanie, anything else? I know it's been great talking to you here and, uh, you know, we'll be seeing each other at the type conference. Uh, but, uh, anything you'd like to add while we have you here? No, just that, you know, if you're, if you're considering photopolymers for an application or 3D printing in general, you know, just know that the printing of plastics are, are reaching or even meeting those of injection molded and current manufacturing method materials, um, today. And so, you know, it's, it's a common thing in a, in a lot of different industries. You know, I work with clients in additive, but also in like optical computing and semiconducting space where there's really promising polymer or plastic materials that outperform, uh, different incumbent materials in all these different categories, but convincing the customer or the client to consider them just because of the reputation that they're not as stable. Uh, compared to other materials, uh, it, it can sometimes be a difficult hurdle. So 
just know if you're listening and you're interested, um, know that photopolymer materials are being used today in real world applications. And if you if you want to learn more about them, the, I would say the tactile report is a great place to start. Definitely, definitely. And also they could join your, uh, you're going to be speaking at the type conference. So if you want to hear more about it there, we'll see you on January 27th and 28th. But Stephanie, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate your time. Great. Thanks for having me. It's a real pleasure. Thank you for listening to the All Digital Additive Manufacturing Podcast. If you would like to help support and be part of our community, take action and smash subscribe, press follow, comment below, or leave a review. And don't forget to share. Thanks for continuing the conversation. This is Adam Penna signing off. See you soon.